Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The How's Your Father podcast with Johnny Cochran. And now, here's Johnny. Hello and welcome to the How's Your Father podcast. I am Johnny Cochran and those that have listened before will know this is a podcast dedicated to all things fatherhood. We like to explore different aspects of fatherhood and talk about this, you know, different situations and topics that don't necessarily get the same limelight as other areas of parenting does. Um, if you have tuned in before, you'll also know that I always have sensational guests on the pod and today's no different because today... We have none other than Dr. Amit Patel. Hey, hey. Um, sorry, Dr. Amit, I do my own sound effects, which is just a one man clapping in the room. So uh, sorry about that, but welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. Um, now, uh, Dr. Amit Patel, um, it's so lovely to have you on uh, the podcast, But I because thi- I think you are our first visually impaired guest on the podcast. Um, so yeah, like, if we just get s- stuck in straight away to the fact that um, you are a father of two, I believe, is that right? Father of two. I, do you know what? I consider myself a father of three. So I've got, I've got, I've got a boy and a girl, but I've also got a guide dog who we, who I kind of count as my first child in a weird way. Do you know what? There's a lot of people who are like that with their dogs as well. You know, we're very close to them. But I imagine that the kind of relationship you build up with a guide dog is one that is so much, you know, is so much more intense than even those with a family pet. So I can understand that, you you know, you've, it feels like a, a real family member. And, and what is that furry family family member's name called? Oh, she's called Kika. She, um, so we, we got her when she was about 18 months old. Um, she came to us when she was 18 months old. So she, she was still that kind of puppy-like, but yet, qualified as a guide dog and very much the, the kind of practice before the two kids came along i guess <laughs> yeah getting ready for <laughs> random poos around the house and uh, a lot of noise no doubt <laughs> it's, it's i think i think i think our main topic of the in, in the house is poo it really is it just it's, it's, <laughs> it, it starts off in the morning about poo and then by the end of the evening and the last word we talk about is is has everybody pooed it, you know are the kids okay are the dogs okay you know yeah so we do do a lot of poo and talk um, so, um, to get onto the point uh, that I just briefly um, mentioned about your visual impairment, um, can you explain to our audience how that came to be about, how long um, you've been living with um, this situation? Yeah, so I haven't always been blind. Um, before before my sight loss, I was, I was a trauma doctor. Um, I, I worked as an emergency response doctor, so I also got flown around the world for major incidences and... Um, uh, so always kind of very busy 
But then during university, I actually developed a condition called keratoconus, which is a condition that changes the shape of your cornea. So it means that the light doesn't actually bounce into the back of the eyes correctly, which obviously doesn't give you great vision. Um, and for a few years, I had little glass lenses to actually push the corneas back into shape. Got to a point after I graduated university and I, I was practicing as a doctor that the, the lenses just weren't strong enough to push the corneas back. So I had a corneal graft. Uh, and basically that was basically taking my corneas away and having a donor cornea stitched in. And normally that, that's kind of the end of the story. But for whatever reason, my body just kept rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. So every maybe two years or so, I would have another corneal transplant followed by other corneal transplants. And it would give me six or seven weeks to kind of recover, go back to work, and then I'd keep doing it over and over again. It got to a stage where I was told, you know, this is your final corneal transplant. This is all we can do because your body just can't do any more. So I packed my bags, went off to the States because... Uh, Cornea grafts and, and my condition is actually a little bit more um, advanced over there. So I managed to get my corneas grown using stem cells, had them transplanted, and then everything was fine for years. Literally, in that time from having my corneas grown using stem cells to, to, to losing my sight, I got, I got married. And a year, year and a half after getting married, I came home after work, had dinner with my wife, went to bed, and there was so much pressure that was building up in the back of my eyes, they literally went pop overnight. So I lost my sight about seven years ago. And that was probably the most scariest thing I've ever experienced. So it's, it's um, you know, unfortunate. I've, I've, I've had sight, so, you know, my wife can describe things to me. Uh, and I understand them, but, you know, I've got the advantage of my wife will never grow old. She'll be, she'll look exactly the same as she did seven years ago. Right. So, I mean, this is, this is, um, it's not necessarily a story that is often told, you know, that you hear in the media very often. Even blindness in general still seems to have a bit of a taboo around it in the sense that, you know, people I think can be sympathetic, but not really want to dig deeper to understand what someone's experience is actually like so you know you touched on the fact that you had previously had sight and then went on to lose it um like can you can you just describe for me so because uh, this this all makes this all contextualizes what we'll go on to talk about about the fatherhood um so if you could tell me like how that felt when you realized you know oh I'm not, oh no, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to have any sight from now on. Like, how does that fit into your life and your overall ambitions that you'd previously held and all of your ideas about what you were going to do? Yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. You know, it was when I, when I actually lost my sight only, only a few weeks before me and my wife were talking about where we want to actually set up, where we want to live, where we want to start our family. So we were in that, you know, I was in that honeymoon phase and my wife knew all about my my sight loss, my, well, my sight condition. We, you know, we never spoke about sight loss because it really wasn't something that we ever thought we'd go down. Um, we always thought you know, maybe, you know, if, if the corneas fail again, we might have to remortgage our house and, and, and go back off to the States again. But that was probably it. So... When I lost my sight, I think I lost, I lost everything that I was 
because it's it's funny, isn't it? It's whatever you do in life, whatever your career is, whatever you've worked towards, you know, that's a part of you. And for me, I was a doctor. I I just got married. I am living the best moments of my life right now. And then it went blank. And I guess because we didn't have any we didn't have any notice. You didn't have any kind of idea that this is ever going to happen. You know, we didn't have a backup plan. I, I, we, and it wasn't a gradual thing. It, it literally was someone turning the lights off and then never coming back on again. So for me, it was that whole thing where, you know, how, are, how am I going to live my life as a blind person? You know, how, you know, is my wife going to have to do everything for me? Am I going to have kids? And, you know, if I've even thinking about kids, it's how am I going to look after kids? So for, for a good couple of months, I kind of just went quiet because I didn't know what to say or what to do. Um, and I think, I think everything that I felt I worked towards had just been taken away. Um, so it's, and even, even small things like navigating your house. So, I know, I know my house, like the back of my hands, but you navigate it as a blind person. It's, it's different. You know, you, you, you don't know when it's dark. You don't know when it's daytime. You don't know where you put things. It's, it's a whole new world. So just getting used to that took me, took me a good six months, um, just to get my head around the fact that I would never see again. Being a doctor, really help at that point because in the back of my mind I knew I'll never ever see again um but you kind of want to hold on to something you need something to focus on and for me I had nothing at that time and for, I kind of lost who I was completely but I'm I am so fortunate I have the most amazing wife right she it, people even people were saying to her that you know oh you're gonna have to look after Emmett for the rest of his life you know you married a doctor he's not you know he's, he's not gonna have a practice he's not he's never gonna work again and and see my, my wife her answer would always be, well, no, I married Amit, you know, and Amit's in there somewhere. He just has to find himself again. And it's, it's, it's hearing that, that kind of broke some of that darkness away and slowly kind of, I kind of realized that, you know, I don't have to do this alone. I've got my amazing wife with me. And, and I, my, I grew up with, with amazing parents that were never pushy about what you have to do in life as a career. It was very much do what you want in life, just as long as you're happy and you don't cause anybody any harm. But then also that whole fact that if you don't try something, if you don't work hard for it, you never appreciate it. So it, I, it, the, the, I think the turning point was very much when I was, I was at home alone. My wife was at work and she commuted to London every day. We lived in Guildford in Surrey at the time. And she hated the commute, which, which meant, you know, she would be, she'd be a good couple of hours away from home. And if there was a wrong leaf on the train or the train got delayed, you know, it could take her two, three, four hours to get home sometimes. So she hated the fact that she'd have to leave me alone. And one day my dad popped around and I was, we're having a cup of tea and I just could not hold my emotions in anymore. And I'd never really cried in front of my dad ever. And I just burst into tears and I said, Dad, why has this happened to me? You know, why am I going through all this pain? Um, and my dad just literally, this is this, the most amazing thing my dad did was come over to me, put his arms around me and said, because you can get through this. You've been working through this for, for the, for your, your entire life has kind of led you to this and you can get past this. Um, and that really was the turning point. So it was, you know, it is, it's, it, I'm very fortunate to have some amazing people in my life and without them, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Wow. 
I mean, our usual listeners, they usually had one or two chuckles, but they will have tears potentially in their eyes right now. That's a choker, that was. Of a, you know, that was really emotional. I, do you know what? Like, it's, it's, it, The word that keeps ringing to mind is inspirational, how you've taken such a, you know, uh, tough um, hand to be dealt and flipped it. And um, it's important to... Because obviously you're starting to express how where your mentality is once this dramatic change happens, and you know the inevitable disillusionment, depression that would come with it. Um, so you had a at some point during this uh, uh, your guide dog as well um, <laughs> come into your life in Kika. How has that? Because we will don't get me wrong. We're getting we're going to get around to what being a dad <laughs> is as well. But um, so when Kika came into your life, how does that change your life and the way that you see it? Uh, do you know what Kika? The closest thing I came to a guide dog before I lost my sight was patients coming into the hospital. And my parents actually had a convenience store in 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 the in Guildford, and we had one of those tiny little collection boxes of a Labrador on the counter. That's the closest I got to, to a guide dog when I was kind of growing up. But when I lost my sights, I, I obviously had to start learning to use a white cane to navigate London. Um, and I had some really good experiences, some really bad experiences. And it kind of opened my eyes to how society sees visually impaired people. You know, you'd think that having a having a five foot cane in front of you, tapping away, people will either ask if you need assistance when you when you kind of look like you're lost or move out the way. And some of my experiences were very much the opposite. People will barge you out the way. I've had my cane ripped out of my hand because I've accidentally tapped someone's trainer and they've actually pulled my cane out of my hand and threw it on the train tracks and the train gone over it. And that's when you kind of think, well, okay, you know, this is at peak time, a really busy station in central London. You'd think that people would come over, but everybody jumped on the train. And mm. so I had some really, really good experiences, some really bad experiences, you know, things that you kind of feel, well, do I really want to step out of my house anymore? So when guide dogs, so when someone actually suggested, you know, maybe a guide dog is for you, I kind of thought, no, I could barely look after myself, let alone another, you know, a, a, a creature. Um, so we kind of put it off for a while, but eventually we kind of looked into it and thought, do you know what, There's this is probably a good thing, you know, it, it probably might help me with my independence it might get me out the house a little bit more obviously having a dog you have to you have to go out you can't just stay at home uh and by this time i was doing a little bit of volunteering so working in different places in london so i thought you know what this is a good idea so when we looked into it and you obviously assess to see whether you're suitable for a guide dog at the end of the assessment we were told well amit you know it's you're you're a perfect candidate for a guide dog but at the moment it's up to about two to maybe a three-year waiting list because every dog is actually matched to the to the to the blind person because obviously it depends where I work what I do how how active I am what my home environment is like so every dog is obviously different so they're all matched um so I was told you know two to three years and I thought you know what that gives me plenty of time to get my head around it six weeks later I get the phone call so we're one of the fastest ever brand new guide dog matches in history um so from being on the list to getting a dog was six weeks um and that kind of threw me in to, to having to look after somebody else, not just myself, but I had to obviously look after Kika and Kika was looking after me. And Kika was that kind of, Kika was the missing cog 
because my wife worried every time I went out. You know, she we had one of these apps on our phone so she can keep track of me of where I am. Sometimes I'd give her a call and say, Seema, I think I'm at this corner, but I'm I'm kind of lost. Can you tell you know, can you have a look on the on on the app? And she'd say, Oh, Emmett, you're a good half a mile away from where you think you are, because I've taken the second left instead of the third left. You know, so it's always so she would always worry. So when Kika came along, she obviously stopped worrying. Um and our, our relationship just got even stronger. Um, and on the back of that, Kika came along in September 2015, and we found out we were expecting December 2015. Wow. Um, wow. So, so that's how much of a change it was. It was to the point where we, we stopped talking about a family um, because it was so hard. Uh, because we weren't sure whether we, how we would cope, how, what we would do, you know, how it would work, you know, being, being visually impaired. And so I'm completely blind. I, I don't see anything at all. I say, I see, I've got the tiniest of pixel on my right hand side, which will let the smallest amount of light in. So I could probably tell you if the lights are on or off and that's about it. Right. Um, so I was still getting used to living with something, living my sight loss, you know, but we never spoke about families because we just, it was such a hard conversation to have. So the two of us just never spoke about it. So when we found that we were expecting, yeah, that came as a, <laughs> that came as a bit of a shock. <laughs> I mean, first of all, um, six weeks to get a guide dog. That is impressive. I waited longer for my sofa to be delivered. <laughs> so that's really, you've done very well there. Very impressed. But you know, you, you, you've took us to that point. Um, and I think it's uh, a perfect point to just jump in and try and get uh, some insights into your mentality because, you know, you've said you you weren't discussing uh, children. Before you had um, gone through the original site lost, I guess you were originally planning to have a family that was always on the cards with you and your wife? Absolutely. We were, we were talking about finding that one for a house, you know, where, where we want, you know, we, we both worked in central London, but it's, it's nice to leave. I used to love leaving, getting up on the A3 uh, on the way home in the car and I kind of big smile on my face back in the countryside. Um, so, we, you know, it's that whole thing where we're, my wife grew up in the country. I grew up in the country. We, we wanted to buy that forever home to start our family and still be able to commute into central London. So we were, you know, that, that whole I, we were kind of focused towards having a family and looking forward to it. Um, so obviously, when when I when I lost my sight, that kind of stopped. That conversation stopped. That I guess the dreams had stopped. Um, it being more practical rather than where we wanted to be for you know because we wanted to live there. It was more you know what's what's best for us. What can we? How can we move forward from this? So yeah, it was. Um, it just you know we we both are very family orientated. It's it's and just not having that conversation was probably the hardest thing you know the the sleepless nights thinking about you know what we've lost and maybe we you know we'll never get to experience having kids so am i getting from what you're saying that whilst it had been your original plan um with the sight loss um it became something that you almost didn't talk about because you just couldn't really conceive of it anymore the idea yeah. that you would have dependence and you would have to look after children so it was kind of the thing that no one mentioned is that what you're that's saying that's exactly it that's exactly it because i've got you know the one thing i i didn't want to do is have a family and let put all the burden on my wife i needed to know that i would be able to take care of a baby take you know take care of a child and 
kind of gets, we were still getting used to the whole sight loss journey. We were still on that road. We weren't a hundred percent comfortable, but obviously when Kika came along, my confidence got so much better. You know, I, I was able to leave the house. I had that, my, my, my smile came back. I wasn't smiling for everybody else. I was actually genuinely happy with life. I felt like, you know, we're, we're moving forward. And I think it's because it, it took all the, it took all the pressure away. It, we weren't having the negative conversations. We weren't having the what ifs. It was, where do you want to go on holiday? What do you want to do? You know, we were looking into the future. And I think, that's what that's when you know we got the good news at the end of end of 2015 it's because we were just at that mindset and it naturally happened we weren't we weren't thinking about kids we weren't we weren't thinking about you know starting a family it just it just we were in the right place at the right time kind of thing for for us to 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 think about a family and it when it happened it happened so it 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 came as a shock but it was very much the conversation we had when we found out is, well, I want to be the best dad I, that I can be. You know, I want to be hands on. I don't want I don't want see my I don't want you doing everything. I want to be changing the nappies. I want to be doing the feeding. I want to be changing. I want to be going out with the kids. And that was just something that kind of focused us Um and just brought us closer together. When anyone, like we, and I've talked to loads of people on this podcast already, but when anyone talks about when they found out they're having a baby, though, you know, everyone is often really, you know, happy and surprised in that way, there is also the immediate, you know, kind of anxiety that will happen for any man about to be a dad, which is, oh, shit, basically, am I going to be... <laughs> able to step out, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be, what's going to happen here? You know, so in terms of the practicalities between, you know, your concerns as being visually impaired and married with, oh, new anxiety of being a dad, like how, how does that, how does that present itself in your mind at that point? And how did you work to resolve that, at least at that point in your mind, in terms of thinking that you would be able to go ahead and solve all these issues that might pop up? Yeah, we didn't we didn't really have that many friends who had children who are all visually impaired. So it wasn't it wasn't very much, you know, there wasn't anybody I could really call and say, how do we do this? It was I kind of saw it as a bit of a challenge. Um, I, I've always been goal orientated, you know, I've always set my mind to something and that's, you know, I'll, I will, I will do my best to, 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 to kind of achieve it. But having kids, it was very, it was, we're going to go through this together. You know, we get, we obviously going to make mistakes along the way, but we're going to, we're going to work out how we could do things. So it's simple things like changing a nappy. Obviously you'd, I would need everything in its place. Everything already has a place in the house for us because if you if you kind of put something in the, in a different place, I'll never find it. Um, so we've you know it's 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 being practical, and we've kind of we've, our mindset's already there. You know we are practical. We you know how we know where things are, what to do, where to do it. Um, so so having a baby in the mix, which which messes up everything anyway, it just I knew I wouldn't have to do it alone because my wife planned on taking a year out for maternity leave, so it was. I had that whole year to kind of get used to the fact that when this child comes along that I've got, you know, I've got Seema's eyes to help me to make sure that I'm doing everything correctly. And obviously having sight before, I kind of know what a nappy looks like. I know what 
a bottle looks like or a sterilizer looks like. So I kind of have those pictures in my head, um, but it's the it's the practical. You know, how do I how do I pull and push a buggy? Uh, with a guide dog how do I carry a baby around so these kind of things so we we would go into mother care and mamas and papas and I walk in there with my guide dog and I'd say right you know how how what do I do how do I move a buggy because obviously I can't push a buggy if I've got a dog on my left hand side so I'd have to pull a buggy but if you try and pull a conventional buggy the wheels are now on the wrong side so the buggy kind of goes all over the place so we had to find a buggy that the handlebars flipped over so the the brand bugaboo do that and it obviously happens to be like the most expensive buggies out there but it's <laughs> it's, it's the only way that i could i could flip the bug so i would have um so i'd walk around the shop with a guide dog and a buggy and they would load it up with with so much stuff that it gives it a little bit of weight so I can kind of get that feeling and I'd walk around the store bumping into things while pulling a buggy looking like a right muppet a bit but um I probably broke a couple of buggies as well um but until I found what would work and we would do this for absolutely everything from the baby carrier to the buggies to to everything we brought you know um so it was it was I don't think we were frightened. We were we were very we were excited about having a kid. I think I think obviously we had a little bit of concern on how how it's going to work every day. But I'm I was a, I'm I'm a confident guy. I I thought well I can do this. You know there's there's thousands of visually impaired people parents out there and they do it. You know it just that we didn't happen to know any of them at the time. So you know it that having a visually impairment shouldn't stop you from being a parent at all and you know it shouldn't stop you from having a family so we kind of saw it well there's help out there and obviously we just need to tap into it and and get some advice and we we did along the way you know we did have our little concerns and until we started speaking to families who had either visually impaired parents or or children or kids and families who have actually had, you know, vision impaired um, grandparents. And, and they tell you that, you know, oh, I grew up. I had no issues. You know, my, my mum and dad are both blind and I'm, I'm completely sighted. And, you know, they do everything. It kind of gave us the confidence that we can do this. Where did you find these um, support networks and access those people who've been through similar struggles? And, and what was your, um, I mean, you hinted at it there, but what was your um feedback from what you got from these people in terms of um giving you that confidence to go on and do it yeah do you know what peer support is is a huge thing it played a huge part of my kind of stage from from thinking i can't do anything to to being a confident visually impaired person um because you you kind of think uh, when it happens to you you think it's only it only happens to you and nobody else understands and you're kind of angry with the world until you start speaking to people and who have kind of gone through it or going through it and you kind of start sharing your stories you understand that you know it's not just you and 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 talking to other people and then when they turn around and say i understand you know i understand the pain you kind of think well you genuinely do and it's the same when we were when we were actually trying to contact people who were who were visually impaired, and for me, it was the RNIB, the the Royal Institute for the Blinds, is is an amazing um, kind of hub, and they they run they run um, social clubs, they run um, befriending clubs, and and uh, so you can actually get together with other parents who are visually impaired. But for me, it was social media. Um, Twitter played a huge part. It, you know, if I had I had loads of questions, and it was very much you know send it out on on Twitter and say I'm going to be a father. I'm visually impaired. Can someone help me? Can someone give me advice? And that's where it really started. You know, and and it's and I actually got more messages from 
from the children of visually impaired people, uh, parents, um, saying, well, you know, my parents were blind and this is how they did this or this is how they, they, how they did that. So just, just listening to other people and saying, well, I turned out all right, you know, it kind of felt, gave us a lot of confidence that we can do this, you know, and, um, and you know what, we still are in a weird way it's it's but you kind of think well your kids going are kids going to miss out on anything you know am i going to miss out miss any clues or you know are they going to be in harm when we go out but they're not you know it's i i think my kids don't see me as a blind parent my my son my son and my daughter have both grown up and they don't know any different you know the way i do things is the way i do things um but it's it's amazing how kids adapt very very quickly you know the way my son talks to my wife and kind of uses his hands a lot more and when he talks to me it's he actually describes things to me so he, he might he walk into the room and say daddy i'm going for a wee wee you know and i don't really need to know that but he tells me because he's not <laughs> going to be in the room anymore um but he doesn't do that to my wife he will just go and go to the bathroom and go back into into his playroom or whatever he's doing so he he doesn't think about he just naturally does it when we when we go out and for a walk he holds my hand where when he's out with my wife, he wants to be three, four meters ahead because right. he's a big boy now, you know, and he does it. We don't have to tell him. It's, it's just how he does things. And my daughter does things you know, exactly the same way. Um, so wh- when we look, when we look back, we think, you know, we, we worried about a lot. We worried a lot about how we were going to cope, how our kids were going to cope. But, you know, kids are, kids are amazing. Um, and they're, they're very honest. If they don't, my son doesn't understand something, he would, he would just say it. He, he still thinks that even when we go out to a restaurant and we go, we go somewhere, he'll say, daddy, why doesn't everybody bring their dogs to a restaurant? Why is it only Kika that's in here? You know, he does, he quite doesn't get the fact that daddy can't see anything whatsoever. Um, and Kika is his eyes. But he will still know that he needs to tell you when he leaves the room and stuff like that absolutely absolutely fascinating yeah i I guess it's just a it's a example again of how adaptable uh children are much more than we as parents trying to be protective give them credit for it sometimes and also you know shout out to uh, a positive story from social media as well that you were getting access to help and advice usually we only hear negative things on things like twitter like Donald Trump telling people to drink bleach to get get over coronavirus. So, you know, here's a positive side of Twitter, guys. Not not just that garbage. Um, I wonder as well, you know, we, we all have um, those constant concerns and worries for our, our children uh, and their well-being. Um, is there anything with regards to your um, condition that that is congenital that can that may be passed on? Uh, and is that something that is a worry to you um, as your kids grow older? Yeah, we. Do you know what it is? It's um, we. Me and my wife always have this conversation. You know, it's my condition is normally actually picked up in children at a very young age. So I, I, wore, I wore glasses when I when I was young, and normally it's the opticians who actually notice that your corneas are actually protruding. And normally it's kind of rectified really easily when you're young. You know, a, 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 a contact lens can actually push your corneas back, and they can they can be steady. You can wear contact lenses for the rest of your life and not having to go through any corneal transplants, um, and still live an amazing life. You know, there shouldn't be anything that could stop you um i was just diagnosed really really late um 
But we do, you know, it's it's one of those things that we're definitely going to look out for as as they're growing up. You know, make sure that they get their eyes checked regularly, and um, if if anything kind of pops up, we just have to kind of go with it. There's nothing we can do to prevent it. No, nobody actually knows why you get keratoconus. Um, there's no links to anything, so it's just one of these rare diseases that actually affects quite a lot of people, but nobody quite knows how or why it appears and and how you can actually there's no prevention to it um so even having cornea grafts you know there's there's a lot of side effects to having surgery um but yeah we it's just something we're going to have to kind of keep an eye on if it if they ever do get the condition we've kind of been through it we know where to go and who to talk to and 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 what's out there uh, but with with you know with with medicine, it gets better and better every every year. So hope, hopefully there might be a cure eventually. But if not, um, you know they're just gonna have to wear wear lenses for a while. Sure, it's you know um, a positive uh, outlook on everything anyway, and that seems to be your kind of the prevailing kind of attitude from you. And it's so it's so refreshing. It really is. Um, can I ask in terms of you know so you become a, you become a parent. You've uh, at this point. Um, got your guide dog, you're visually impaired, so you're getting certainly getting used to that life. Was there anything that, despite all of the no doubt scrimmages you ran in your head in terms of what it would be like, was there, was there anything that really caught you off guard once you did become a father about being specifically a blind dad uh, that you were like, wow, I didn't even think about that and I really wasn't expecting to have to deal with that? Yeah, do you know what? It's... Unfortunately, it's a negative part. I think the, the 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 thing I actually experienced was how other people see me. Um, it's it's you know there's, there's no there's no kind of hiding the fact that I'm visually impaired. I have I'm, I'm a brown guy with a, with a white dog. You know I, I stick out like a sore thumb. Is I, I can't <laughs> blend into anything. Um, but you you add a child in a chest harness or or a child you know if I'm holding holding my my son's hand or something you know and then and, and it's it's like it's like neon lights pointing to me um but it's it's people's negative comments that that kind of really threw me um the fact that you know some people will say oh well done you know first day i took my son to nursery it was um it was a really really proud moment for me and i said to my wife you know i'd really want to take my son to nursery for the first time my, my wife said well go for it you know you 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 go and do the whole thing yourself um because she knew how important it was um and i and i I'm walking down the road. I've got my son. He, he must have been about eight months old in a chest harness. We're walking down the road. I'm singing nursery rhymes. Get to the nursery, hand him over. And I've got a really big, big smile on my face. I'm really happy with myself. Like, you know what? I can do this. I can, I can really, I can really, really do this. I can be a good dad. And kind of, I got, I got a tap on the shoulder. And I turned around and someone said to me, it was, it was a parent, said to me, oh, well done you. And I said, what for? And they said, oh, you brought your son to nursery. And I said, well, did you not bring your son to nursery or daughter to nursery? <laughs> and they said, yeah, but you're blind. And I said, oh, am I? Oh, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, wow, do, you know, do they see me as a blind person? Or do they see me as a parent? And then, then I kind of got this as well. That's um, at rhyme time at our local library, I would walk in and other parents would stop their children from interacting with my kids because it's as if as if it, their children are going to go blind playing with my kid, because they, they weren't sure how to interact with me, so they wouldn't interact with him. So we would go there, and nobody would talk to me. So I thought, well, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to go there because my son wants to play with everybody else, and nobody wants to play with him, or they're being stopped. So 
So we, we would go to the park. He'll be on the swing. I'll push him on the swing. And then you hear voices saying, well, you know, who's looking after him? You know, he must be looking after his son, but who's looking after the blind guy? And, and, you think, and people forget that I might not be able to see anything, but I can sure hear you, you know? Mm. And, it's, and, and that's what really, really upset me. You know, it's people don't see me as a parent, but they see me as a blind person. Um, and that's that kind of thought. I, th- I kind of think, well, do you know what? They, they, that's, that's them, you know? I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do the best that I can do. And that's, that's how it's been, you know, and you, when we still hear it, you know, people, people walk up to my wife and say, oh, are you his carer? And my wife mm. will say, no, I'm his wife. And I say, oh, I, I, I only thought that blind people were only married blind people. Or, you know, is that your, or they'll say to me, is that your nephew or your niece? I'll say, no, it's my child. Or are they blind as well? I'm like, no, why would you say that? You know, Dr. Rami, I, I have actually got some advice for you here, okay? When these people are assholes, and that is what they are, oh, what you need to do is get another guide dog, a backup guide dog, if you like. Give Kika the day off and make sure that that dog is a pit bull, okay? And then when they start going, oh, are you here with your carer? Just go, go on then, go on then, bruiser. Go at them and, and did, did, you know, and you can say, oh, sorry, you know, I'm blind. I didn't know which dog I took out. Uh, and that will certainly get their attention. Sometimes I just wish Kika would bark sometimes, you know. <laughs> she's just way too good. Um, but sometimes it's kind of needed to start a little growl just to kind of move people along. But, yeah, you know, that, that was probably the negative. It's, it's, and, it, and it still happens, you know. So, you know people, people still stop and say, oh, I didn't know blind people could have kids or you're selfish for having kids because you're visually impaired. Oh. You know, what about if they get into trouble, you can't, uh, you know. You, you, but I think it doesn't matter what disability you have. I, disabled parents tend to get that you know because people think well mm. we're not going to be as good as able parents but if anything you know we're, we're probably we probably put a little bit more time into it we probably put a little bit more effort into it because we have to because if, if you know if we if we've got one sense that is impaired you kind everything else kind of has to be a bit more heightened so it's you know in and we know that we, you know, we, we all know our limits. One of the things we often discuss on this pod is about the kind of traditional masculine male expectations of what being a daddy is. You know, protect her and you know, provide her all of this. Um, and how, in many different instances in life, we either don't step up to that mark, and what a stupid mark to have in the first place you know it doesn't actually yeah. it's no longer fit for purpose was those kinds of, kinds of notions something that you had with regards to what you expected to deliver from being a father and do, did you feel in any ways like you weren't able to you know meet the marks in in those uh areas that you thought you were gonna have to yeah do you know what i that did go through my mind you know am i gonna be able to be the one to protect him all the time, protect my kids all the time. You know, it's that whole being, being, being a dad, you know, you kind of want to put your arms around everybody and protect everybody. I, I, I know my limits, you know, this obviously I, I, I can't see. So it's, it's, it's difficult, but all of that disappeared when the moment I held my son in my arms for the first time, it was, it wasn't, it was, it was that moment where I thought, well, I'm a dad, I'm an actual dad and i've got to take care of this little boy and things had changed that whole all all those kind of thoughts i had about am i going to be able to step up to the mark all of that disappeared um but that's only because one because my wife was kind of being beside me all the way along um 
But the one thing my wife would all actually, one thing that she knew would always kind of bring me down was that I would never know what my kid would look like ever. Um, hmm. Because I always say that, you know, I didn't, I said it for me, it was very much when I lost my sight, it was a snapshot of, I, I, I think so hard and I concentrate so much on what my parents, my wife, my brother, my sister-in-law, my families, my friends look like. I never want to forget what they look like. You know, it's not as if I can go back to a photo and kind of remember again. So I, that, that to me is like the most precious thing in the world. Um, and even when, when we were kind of going through the pregnancy, see, there'll be moments where my wife would just come up to me and say, I know what you're worried about. Cause there's a, because it really was, we would talk about anything, but the one thing I wouldn't really talk about was that I'm, I, you know, I never know what my kid would look like. And my, my wife can read me like a book. And it was, you know, there'll be, there'll be times where she would just sit down, put her arms around me, make me a cup of tea and just say, look, don't worry. You never, you know, you never ever are going to have that experience where you don't know what your kids will look like. And even after she gave birth. The moment she handed the baby to me, the first thing she did was give me the most amazing description of what this bundle of joy was like in my arms. And she did that every single day. Um, and that was, that was probably the one thing that held me back. It was, is how can I love this person in front of me when I don't really know what they look like or even imagine. Um, and when, you kind of forget about that now. Even my son, even oh, daddy, I think I've got an extra. I've I think I've grown a centimeter. Come and come, and put your hand on my head and have a feel. And my hair's got. Mm. You know, my son does that to me, and he talks because he. It's it's what my wife does. My wife describes things, so he does it. Um, so, but I think that was the one thing holding me back. So I don't feel that I need to be the protector. I think I think for it to work, it's it's a combination of me and my wife. You know, and. Between the two of us, we've pretty much got through, you know, a lot of bad things that have happened in our lives that's, that, you know, would, would easily, you know, separate people and actually, you know, that people would go in different directions. But we've, we've, we've got closer, we've got stronger and we talk. I think that's the one thing that's, that has made us who we are because we actually talk about our feelings. And when I'm worried about something that I can't do, you know, it, it'd be an open conversation, my wife and say, look, I am, I can't do this. How can we, even, even things like the homeschooling at the moment, you know, everything is done virtually. Um, teachers send things via emails. My, my, my laptop doesn't read all of that. I can't, I can't sit down and do, you know, homeschooling like every other parent who can see because I physically can't do it. I, I need Braille. My son learns to read Braille with me because he, he sees daddy doing it so why can't he do it so it's wow. you know so we, we do things we just do it in different ways and if anything that gives me that confidence that you know my son and my daughter both growing up seeing how their their dad does things differently to how other parents do things but it hasn't stopped them from moving forward it hasn't stopped them from being the people they, they are you know we ha it hasn't stopped us from going out or or not or you know I've never used my sight loss as, as an excuse to say we can't do this, you know. And so it's it's for us it's just it's life. We we don't see, we don't we don't wake up in the morning and think oh you know Amit can't see we, we we're going to have issues here. It's a very it's, we've got to that stage now where we just kind of get on with it. Sure. But it's you're very much reminded by society. You know, it's someone who'll say sure. oh you, that that must be really difficult because Amit can't see and we're like, 
They're like, no, Amit changes in nappies. Amit, you know, Amit does this, Amit does... I, I feed the kids. When my, my wife went off to work, I, I took six months off just so I could look after the t- my son myself. Um, and I'd take him to work with me. I would I would take him around London. I Last year, jumped on a plane to New York and me and my son, my guide dog, went to New York for, th- uh, for three weeks. Nice. And people thought I was crazy. And my wife, I literally said, well, to my wife, I have to be in, in New York for three weeks for work. Do you know what? Let me take, let me take my, let me take the boy. And my wife's like, yeah, go for it. I need a break. Um, <laughs> so it, it was, it was literally got to the airport, sun, dog, bags. Um, and we did, we did Philadelphia, Washington, New York. He would help me cross the wow. road. We did the subways. And, and, you know, it was, it, I never felt like I was a visually impaired parent. I felt so proud that I was a dad. I felt that I can, if I can't, you know, a lot of parents would struggle. Even, even sighted parents would say, well, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want the hassle of taking, you know, my son to work with me in, in, in a different country. But I loved it, you know, and he loved it. And it's just that whole bonding thing. So I want, I, I, you know, even, even now I want to show him that it doesn't matter what cars you've dealt with in life. You know, you can still move forward. It's, it's that thing. It's you make it yourself you know if you if you put the hard work into it and and you kind of want it why can't you get it that's it's brilliant it's all of this is just so good it's touching it's you know it's it's really you can i'm 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 feeling it's emotive you know <laughs> um do you find that your own inspirational story and the fact that you can show to other people who may be in the same boat as you that you can do it that you can get it done is that something that motivates you your your ambassadorial uh kind of presence for visually impaired parents yeah do you know what? i'm i'm pretty well spoken outspoken outspoken should i say uh you know when when some when people say you can't do it it's very much well why can't you do it what's what's stopping you doing it um and i think it's not so much it's not so much going out there and saying look look at me i'm i'm a visually impaired dad but it's it's very much well look at us as a as a group yes you can have a week. There you go. Did you, I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> that is brilliant. If you don't mind, we'll definitely keep that in the podcast. <laughs> uh, do you know what? He, knocked, he literally knocked on the door, walked in. Daddy, I need a wee wee. And it's just next yeah. door. Literally, it's next door. Oh, God. But yeah. Perfect. Um, but that no. is brilliant. <laughs> Timing um, spot on. Uh, uh, do you know you can uh, never work with kids and animals? <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got both of them here. But no, seriously, it's, it's very much. I don't want to, I don't want to say, well, look at me you know it's 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 well look at look at what's if you're if you're frightened if you're if you're if you're worried about you know having a family and you have a disability it doesn't have to be sight loss it could be anything it could be be anything that you feel is holding you back i think you have to be at that stage where you kind of think well i you know you have to be able to handle whatever the condition you have um and if you could if you've got if you've got a handle on it there's why can't you have kids you know i'm 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 lucky, but Seema's got sight. But I know so many families who are both sight impaired and, and, they're, and they're bringing up amazing kids and it hasn't stopped them. So, we're, you know, for us, it's not so much, it's, it's, um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's easy because it is difficult. And, you know, obviously kids, my, my son obviously uses the fact that I can't see to get things he wants um, and, and gets into a little bit of mischief and trouble because he knows he can get away with it if he's very quiet. But um, I, do you know what? I love being a dad. I, but do you know, two is enough though. I, can't, I, can't, I don't think I can manage more, I don't think yeah. I can manage more than two, but I love get the that fact small that print I... in there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I've got, you know, I've got, I've got a boy and I've got a girl. 
So I feel really lucky and they're completely different, you know, where, where my son's mischievous now and I think he'll calm down, where I think my daughter's going to cause me a lot of um, heartache and problems along <laughs> the way is what I hear. Um, but it's, it's, it's nice. It's, I wake up and I, and I genuinely have, a, I've never been this happy in my life. I never thought I would, I, would, I would genuinely smile or be this happy after I lost my sights. If you'd asked me, you know, after, after I'd lost my sight, if, would I ever smile again? I'd probably say no. But I, I walk down the street. I've got, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm going to work. I've got my kids. I'm taking them to school. I'm smiling. I'm happy. And, I've, and I appreciate everything I've got. Because everything we have, we've worked really, really hard for. You know, even against the tide. You know, when people were saying it's not possible, you can't do this, you can't do that. We've, we've gone from, we've, you know, you have to think about, we were... I just got married, lost my sight, went from a two-income household to a one-income household overnight. So that financial burden of ha having to pay the mortgage, we, we sold up in Guildford, moved to Canary Wharf. We, we were in a flat. When we, dis when we found out we were getting a guide dog, we thought we, we, can't, have, we can't live in a concrete jungle. So we, we moved to, we sold the flat just after I got used to where, you know, where it was and how to get home to moving to Greenwich and then having to learn my whole route again. But it's the best decision we've ever made. Um, and, you know, we've 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 gone up and down, you know, but it, it's that whole thing where people tell you that you're you're not able to do it because you have a disability. And it's very much. Well, don't look at my disability. Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Look at what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And, you know, judge me for that and not for my impairments. Is there anything that um I'm thinking now along the lines of how a lot of um, visually impaired or blind people say that other senses are boosted, for instance. Is there anything that your visual impairment has made easier uh, with regards to parenting? For instance, you can, can you hear when the babies are crying from, you know, out in the garden or something? Is there anything that was, you know, you weren't necessarily expecting that has become a little bit easier in that respect? Oh yeah, the poodah. My poodah is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's. You know what? It's. Uh, it's. It's funny. I get asked this question quite a lot. They people say to me, "Okay, your sight's gone, but everything else is kind of heightened." I wouldn't say so much. It's heightened. I think you learn to learn to learn to actually understand your other senses a lot more because you rely on them. So you know, your hearing is my hearing's probably the same as it was before I lost my sight. But obviously, I use it. In, in a way that that kind of keeps me safe um so it it doesn't i don't think it's got i don't think it helps with uh, with with child care. I, I i i can hear him cry just maybe that f a second before my wife kind of picks it up or before the baby monitor kind of goes but that's only because i'm kind of always listening out for things um but you know it's the worst the worst thing is potty training though um <laughs> I, I i remember times where my wife was at work my son would come over to me and say daddy i've just had a poo poo i've taken my nappy off and it's over there and i'm like where is it and he'll say hold my hands and he'll take me across and then you, your feet just kind of just oh yeah <laughs> uh, or, or the one i think the worst the funniest thing i ever did on social media was um i was actually baby, uh, giving my son a bath and then, then I kind of heard the little bubbles and I'm like, are you pooing? And it's like, oh yeah, dad, it's so quickly out the bath. And then I'm like, how do I clean this? And he was, and I remember he was playing with a sand cart, sand bucket and, and one of those sieves. So I kind of went into the garden, got a sand bucket and a sieve. And I'm in the, in the bath trying to sieve this poo out. And then I'm thinking, I can't do it. So I literally put it out on social media. I'm like, right, people, I need your help. Where's the poo? <laughs> 
But you would not oh, believe how many people helped out, though. It's, it's things that I, I, I use social media to, for so, you know, I would pick out dresses for my daughter to wear and it will literally be right, people, which dress should I dress my daughter in? And they'll say this one, and they'll describe things to me, you know, and, and I... And this thing's obviously I can't do, but I will I will get other people to come and help me. You know, you, we'll use social media. I'll FaceTime my parents and say, you know, I can't find the monkey. He's hiding somewhere. Give me a hand. And he's probably under the bed somewhere. You know, so I'm walking <laughs> around the house and he's really quiet. So, but it is nothing. I would say there's there's nothing stopping me from being the best dad that I could be. Um and obviously, I, I might make make a mistake here and there, but that's that's life, isn't it? That's yeah. being a parent, and you know, there's there's you know, you take ten steps forward and you take a couple of steps back, but you learn from it. So, I think I I, I honestly think this is this is probably the happiest moment in my life. You know, just having two kids, having an amazing wife, guide dog. I am I am living the dream. I really am. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, Dr. Amit, you have been such an amazing guest. Um, I Honestly, it's, heart, heart, it's very heartfelt and, you know... Um, emotive story that you're um, you're sharing with us today, but um, I'd be remiss if I didn't stick to our uh, formula, uh, and that is at the end of every episode, we always like to get our guests to give a bit of advice to all the other dads out there. It can be anything um, that you think the dads might want to hear, and this is a feature we called "Get Your Tips Out for the Dads." And I'm just going to do a little jingle: "Get your tips out, get your tips out, get your tips out for the dads." Doctor Amit. You know, I would say being a dad is 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 a huge thing, and it's and it's that whole pressure of what's expected from you. And I think right now, dads want to be hands on, um, but I think we burn out as well. So it's okay to kind of feel the whole burden and and and, and the burnout. But I would say talk to other dads, and and I and I, and for me, that's that's you know, it, it, for me, it's not 
visually impaired dads. I just talk to dads. And, you know, we, there's so many kind of little groups that I'm involved with that would, would kind of have a have a little um, FaceTime or, or, or chat over, over in, in an evening. And it literally is, what have your kids been up to? And I think it's nice to, for dads just to chat to dads rather than, you know, chat to, chat to your wives or your other friends because we kind of get it. And I think that's what it is. Don't, you know, don't feel that you're, you know, you, you, you have to do it alone. Uh, talk. If you have any issues, you know, raise them. You, a lot of us probably go through them and, you know, probably got ideas and, and tips and advice on how to, how to kind of move forward. But you know what? Enjoy it. Enjoy being a dad. Uh, that's, that's my biggest, it, just, just enjoy the moments because, um, you know, they're going to grow up and then it's just going to be, it's going to be str- probably stressful, I guess, when they grow up. But um, enjoy, enjoy the enjoy the early years. Fantastic, um, Dr. Amit Patel. You've been an absolute sensational guest. I've enjoyed it so much. So interesting. Can you tell our listeners where they might be able to find you? I know, understand you're also an author, um, written a book that I'm sure they'd be wanting to get involved. Can you tell us a bit more how they can find you? Even if they want to be on your socials to help you pick out uh, your daughter's dress that she should be wearing <laughs> the other day. So yeah, let us know how we can reach you. Brilliant. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Oh, uh, my handle is blinddad underscore UK. It's the same handle on, on Instagram. And if you want to know a little bit more about my lifestyle and, and bringing up kids and, and kind of losing my sight, uh, you can you can read my book. It's called Kika and Me. Um, and it's, it literally is my, my life journey, I guess, from, from growing up to becoming a doctor, f- falling in love, being a dad, losing my sight, all of that, and to where we are right now. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Dr. Amit, thanks again for coming on. You've been a wonderful guest. And to all you guys listening, we'll see you next time. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.